Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena and I'm here with Carolyn and Debbie. Hello. Hello. We are starting off a new series with our podcast. We're going to be looking at a series on prayer. So last time we were looking at the parable of the sower and we were looking at preparing our heart to receive the word of God. And now we're going to be looking at prayer. All right, so girls, I was just thinking, you know, um, have you found yourself ever thinking or even saying, you might not say it consciously, but sort of thinking, oh, there's nothing I can do, so I'll just need to pray. Mm. Have you ever caught yourself? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, or I've done all that I can, so now I've just got to leave it in the Lord's Mm. hands. As if prayer is a last resort when we've Mm. tried everything. (laughs) And I'm guessing from the laughter <laughs> that we can all identify, hey. Yes. And so we've tried everything, nothing else is working. You know, so often we think about praying when we feel that we've exhausted all other options mm-hmm. or we've come to the end of ourselves and our resources. And, you know, I think part of it, and I'm speaking for myself here, is that we're so used to striving and to sorting things out for ourselves and also the way that we want it to turn out that we default into that. And so often we'll see prayer as something that we feel we have to do when there's nothing else that yeah. we can, or, yeah. you know, when we feel we can't do anything. And, you know, we just need to, I was just thinking, I need to have a mind shift, mind, ugh, sorry, mindset shift from thinking, well, I'll just have to pray to thinking, well, I get to pray. Mm. Yeah. I get to pray and I get to see what God is going to mm. do with the situation. And so, you know, prayer needs to be our first response. It needs to be our first go-to and not our last resort. And, you know, as we've indicated here, that often we're guilty of that. Yeah. You know, I've done everything I can. And um, there's so much to talk about regarding prayer. I mean, once you just start studying it, the Word of God has got so much to say about it. And I was reading, I've been reading Derek Prince's book, Secrets of a Prayer Warrior, and there was a statement in there that just really struck me. This is what he said. He said, I do not read that Jesus ever actually taught his disciples how to preach, but he did teach them how to pray. You know, and that really struck me because how much time do we spend on, you know, and and yes, we do have to teach, but how much time would we spend on teaching that? And, you know, and we were just talking before about like if we're not doing stuff, Mm. you know, but prayer is active as well. Mm. It's something that we should be doing first above all. And, you know, it had a huge place in the life of Jesus and, um, you know, his disciples. So I thought um, from that quote that Jesus teaching them how to pray, I thought that would be a really good place to start. Mm. And, we, you know, we take the, I'm going to get Debbie to read in a minute, the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. And, um, you know, we often, that does get recited all around the world. And that's mm. great because you've got people saying, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm. But it's more not just necessarily those literal words. It's actually just a model of how Jesus, you know, the order of things that, you know, we relate to God first and his honor and then move on to what we are in petitions and things. So, Debbie, could you read Matthew 6, 5 to 16 for us, please? Sure. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's really, we'll talk about that a bit later, yeah. but that's really serious, yeah. isn't it? And that's yeah. Jesus speaking there. Lena, could you comment for us on verses 5 to 8? part of that yeah i think first we really need to note when what you've already talked about carolyn is that jesus starts by saying and when you pray mm. it's not like if or but yeah. this is yeah. the expectation yeah. you're praying mm. um so you know that we need to be really clear on that there's no doubt about it a disciple must pray you know we we need to be prayers um, and Jesus goes on to speak about those who pray only to please men. So, you know, those who are standing in the synagogue or the street corners, they're only doing this to receive the praise and affection of mm. man. And the Pharisees or the scribes at that time sought to, pre- to pray to be well thought of by those around them, not to please God or to benefit others, but to receive that glory to themselves, you know, that they were so yeah, spiritual. It's a status thing as well, yeah. wasn't it, for them? Yep. Yeah. So they stood praying by themselves in public places. They're not praying with a group of believers together in, in public, but praying by themselves to receive that glory. And Jesus tells us to pray in private, hidden, praying because it's a good thing to do, because we want to be in relationship with our Father and be obedient, Mm. not because we want to receive that glory or a reward. Um, And I think it's important too, like when we pray in private, often we're more, um, we're less distracted, we're more free in a sense. because we're not not surrounded by you know we can, we can pray with that greater freedom so I think there's mm. like a, a practical aspect to that as well yeah. and we are cautioned against like babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words mm. and this isn't about we shouldn't pray long prayers or we shouldn't consistently pray the same thing because sometimes we really do need to do that mm. but it's about praying with um, many words that are without purpose so we're speaking idle words for the sake of looking spiritual you know we're praying this because we think you know we just love to hear ourselves talk or we think god's forgotten us or something but that doesn't please god he already knows what we need um, and he knows what we will ask before we even form that thought so we need to be intentional about what we're praying and what we're saying and pray out of a love for god not for the sake of glory mm. in accordance with his will not our own purposes yep. so motive is really important isn't it mm. debbie would you um continue on that was good lena by the way to verses 9 to 11 yeah so um i just recently was teaching started teaching our boys you know about actually just before i heard that we were going to be doing this podcast just started saying to them you know jesus actually teaches us how to pray and so i've started to teach them about it and, and how to pray because, you know, we've got this easy how to pray mm. right here. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, hallowed means to honour as holy. So this means your name is above all others. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for Christ's return to bring and establish his kingdom on earth. And we're saying, not our will, but yours, Lord. 
which is um, is how how it is in heaven. Sorry, which is how it is in heaven and and will be on earth after the establishment of his kingdom here. And we want to speed up his return. Mm-hmm. So because in one Peter chapter three it says. Um, you know, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So we want to speed up Christ's return. Um, and I think as well, Debbie, if I can just interject yeah. there, his kingdom can be here now as well. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's what we're praying as well, yeah. isn't it? If we pray his will, that, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we want not only his kingdom come, but and not our will mm. to be done, like Lenos was saying, but his will to be done. Um, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need just for today. God yeah. knows what we need, mm. even more than we know what we need, and he knows how much we need. Uh, so it's not being greedy and asking for what we want. It's asking for what he knows that we, we need. need yeah. yeah, And that always reminds me when I think of um, when the Israelites were in the desert and God provided the manna, yeah. isn't it? Like, how trusting they'd have to be because I know I would be one that'd probably be trying to shove some extra (laughs) in the jar or whatever just in case you know and just that that total dependency hey Mm. on just it speaks to that dependency and that trust on on him yeah yeah right thanks so if I go on with verse 12 and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors now our debts there another word for that is sin Mm. And, you know, I think one of the reasons often for, un- well, one of the big reasons that there could be unanswered prayer is if, if we hold on to unforgiveness. Absolutely. That would definitely hinder, you know. And we can't expect God to forgive us if we're going to refuse to forgive others. And so, you know, right at the outset, I want to say if that you're holding any forgiveness towards anyone, it's very serious because the Bible says clearly we will not be forgiven by God, which basically means your relationship, your fellowship with him. You know, the relationship is yep. not there. If you listen to Mark eleven twenty five, it says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your mm-hmm. sins. And um, verse 13 goes on to say, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, God doesn't tempt us. Mm. So there it's, you know, more praying that we're not going to succumb to evil desires, um, to temptation from the enemy or our own flesh, because we know that we are weak. So we're acknowledging that there before God. And basically we're asking God to help us, to protect us from Satan, not and also not to leave us to ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we're asking not to, or to help us not go into any circumstances that might give us an opportunity to fall or to turn away from God. And Matthew Henry commentary puts it like this, temptations are to be prayed against, both because of the discomfort and trouble of them and because of the danger we are in of being overcome by them and the guilt and grief that then follow. Mm-hmm. So we, when we pray, deliver us from the evil one or from evil, we're asking God to protect us from being attacked. And if we do get attacked, then to help us not actually be overcome and be defeated by that. And then if we go on to verse 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So essentially, what does that mean for your destiny? Yeah, it's not good, is it? 
Yeah. No heaven. No yeah, and I don't mm. think people really realize because there's yeah. a lot of people who claim to be Christians who yeah. are actually holding on to unforgiveness and justify yeah. it as well. And yeah. that's a really serious warning, and it is in several places yeah. in the scriptures. So, again, that importance we've got to forgive from the heart. And even it's important as well to know you have to forgive a person even if they don't apologize to you or ask yeah. for your forgiveness. I can remember years ago, um, David preached, in a, you know, and mm. he mentioned forgiveness, and we came out of the service, and um, someone actually said to him, well, I don't have to forgive if they don't ask me for it. No, no, no we no, do. No. <laughs> and it's not, it's not based on your emotions, it's yeah. a, a choice. Choice, exactly, yeah, and, you know, and for some people that can be a real sticking mm. point, well, they've never, like, said sorry or whatever, so why should I forgive them? We just, uh, there's no... No circumstance under which we justify to hold on to unforgiveness. Like you say, you know, they might not have asked for forgiveness, but God certainly has asked us exactly. to forgive them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, you know, um, that scripture leaves you in no doubt. And, and I was thinking about it. If you think about it, if you expect God to forgive you and you want to, you know, go to heaven, like... How hypocritical is that? That how dare we mm. oh, yeah. not forgive? We to, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ yeah. forgave them. Yeah. He died for them. Yeah. For, to make that way. So you know, who do we think we are if we holding on to unforgiveness mm. that if Jesus did that? Yeah. And you know, of course we all know as well the parable about, you know, the, the king and the guy who owed him money and got released from jail and then the king pardoned yeah. him and he went straight out and grabbed someone and said, hey, you know, and got him thrown in jail. Like, that's, that's exactly, exactly what will happen. Yeah. We just have no, you know, we can't mm. refuse to forgive. So I think that's really important that, that, um, that we take that on board. All right, Lena, so can you comment on the place that prayer had in the life of Jesus? Well, just he sets the example for us. Um, like his prayers and his ministry on earth um, the importance he placed on that set apart time for God, um, like you look at his intercession, like the act of what he did on the cross, and then how he was talking anyway, and talking about like you know, Father, would you forgive them? And um, how he continues to make that intercession for us in heaven. So Jesus is the example for us. He prayed often to his Father. Um, he taught his disciples to pray, and we had that that quote from Derek Prince about he didn't teach his disciples but he taught them how to pray mm. um so that was critical and he prayed and healed for many sick people and he would often um withdraw to to pray or spend the night in prayer if you look at luke um, five fifteen to 16 he says yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses but jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed and i think that's really interesting because you know, we know that Jesus had compassion on the crowds, on the sick, on the lost sheep of Israel, but he still made that time with his father a priority. Mm. It said that he would often withdraw, so that's a regular thing for him to do. So he didn't seek that fame or popularity or even just doing good things mm. ahead of that relationship with his father mm. um, and being in, in prayer. So he chose to draw aside and, and pray. And, and I think that's also important to notice, like, there's different kinds of prayer as well. Mm. Like, so we have that drawing aside. And I think in that as well as, like, because obviously your relationship with God is, has got to yeah. be first about everything. And that's where you build that intimacy with that drawing aside and praying. 
Um, but it also refreshes you and strengthens mm. you as well, doesn't it? Mm. And then there's also the prayers. Like Jesus would have been in constant communication, those prayers, you know, you might, some people call them arrow prayers, but as he was walking, because he must have walked past so many people that were sick, but he didn't heal each and every one of them. But he was so in tune through prayer um, of hearing the Father that he would hear the Father and he would act according to what the Father was mm. telling him, you know. Yeah. So it was what just a constant. What specifically do I need to do in this yes, situation? Yes, yes, yes. And like you look at how he healed and delivered people, it was different yeah. all the time. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like cookie cutter. So you yeah. had to be, you know, getting that direction. And listening, yeah. yeah. And even as well, you know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was like he, he knew that's what the Father was telling him to do. But, you know, he also said to the crowd, like, this is so that my mm. Father, you know, you can see, like, be glorified and see what God can do. Yeah, so he drew so attention to that all the mm. time. Yeah. Um, so if I just comment, if um, and, and Lena, you, you mentioned there about his intercession. So if we listen to this now, so Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. Oh, did I steal your scripture? <laughs> so Go on. <laughs> but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Mm. And I just wanted to put that in because um, I got a really another good quote from Derek Prince. So it shows us that Jesus' life of prayer did not stop with his death and resurrection. And listen to what Derek Prince commented on that verse. He said, these verses offer a rather interesting perspective on the timeline of Jesus' life. He spent 30 years in obscurity and perfect family life. He spent three and a half years in dramatic, powerful ministry. Now he has spent nearly 2,000 years in intercession. Mm. That is yeah, so good, isn't it? When you put it into perspective like yeah. That. yeah and i might yeah. whinge about spending some time with you. like seriously yeah. like that is how important yeah. it is mm. it's still as well yeah. yeah so yeah so jesus had a lot as i said earlier to say well the bible has a lot as well to say about prayer so let's listen to some of what he said so debbie's going to read some scriptures and then lena will read some yeah so i've got matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 8 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Matthew 21 verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Mark 11, uh, 24 to 26. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 15, verse 7 to 8 says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John sixteen twenty four. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And Psalm 91, verse 15. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. Mm. So basically, through all that, the common theme is that we need to pray, and it's yeah. important. We're told to ask, and when we do ask, to be expectant, 
that when we ask in the name of the Lord, our prayers will be answered and we will receive. I mean, we've just read, what was that, seven verses that promise this. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you said there, Debbie, Debbie sorry, Debbie, <laughs> combination of Debbie and David, um, ask and, and, and that's, and believe. And I think if you look at the theme as well that's coming up, there's action on our part, yes. required on our part. Yeah. There's, you know, we've got to ask, we've got to actually do something, not just sit there like a blob. And <laughs> there's almost conditions. Yes, okay, which lead us straight into <laughs> Yes. Okay, so <laughs> clearly we need to pray, and we've, we discussed earlier that, a few minutes ago that Jesus didn't act without hearing from his Father. And so God wants us to ask, but as Debbie's just said, there are conditions that Scripture gives us for approaching God in prayer. And so we're going to look at eight conditions as outlined by Derek Prince in his book, Secrets of a Prayer Warrior. So the first condition is that we come with reverent submission. Hebrews 5, 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Um, you know, just an aside there, he was heard. Mm. I want you to notice mm. that, that he was heard. And what was he, you know, he was praying, he asked God twice if this cup can be removed from me. And he still went to the cross, but God raised him from the dead. So God saved him from death through the resurrection. So although he still went to the cross, he was heard. We don't always get an answer in the way that we think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that God hasn't heard us, but he answers in his way and in his time, which is always the best. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it says there God always heard, and we know as well from looking at Jesus' life, God always heard Jesus because he was fully submitted to God. And so that's the first condition that um, we are submitted. So listen to Matthew twenty six thirty nine. This is Jesus talking, oh, not, not Jesus talking, talking about Jesus in the garden. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Mm. Um, just the, you know, reverent submission is the condition. And just the word reverent means where you show deep and solemn respect. And then submission is the action of accepting or yielding to the will or authority of another. Mm. And, you know, I was just thinking about that word yielding. Yielding is still an action as well, you know, where yeah. you've got to set aside what you want to do. And so it wasn't just lip service, okay? That submission was action where Jesus has said, you know, if this can't be taken away, unless I drink of it. So I'll do it. Yeah. Mm. I'll suffer. I'll get nailed to the cross. But I'm still asking if it could, yeah. if there's another way. Yeah, because, you know, he was fully human yeah. then. And, you know, I think that so really be... shows how human he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he was, who wouldn't be fearful, yeah. you know, like worried or anxious, but he took it to God. Yeah. So yeah. he had those human emotions, but he took them to God yeah. and poured it out there. And, I mean, I was just thinking about just the night before surgery or ever how I would be feeling like, oh, I have to do this, but I really, like, don't want to do it. I mean, I just can't even imagine mm. what he must mm. have been feeling. So he was still asking if it can be taken away, but if not, your will and not mine. Mm. And, you know, so he went through with it. John 10, 18, and this is Jesus talking about his own life. 
He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Mm. So that shows that submission as well. It's like he's giving, you know, he's he's taking his will and putting it aside for God's mm. will. I have authority to lay it down and authority to, to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And that's true submission that he's going to do it. It's done, but it's not done under force or duress. Yeah. Because then I was just thinking that would be oppression, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, and it's not submission, but submission is done voluntarily and it's out of obedience. It comes from a correct heart position. It comes from a place of trust, total trust and love. Mm. And so reverent submission is saying to God, you know, to the Father that not my will but yours. And we renounce our own will in favor of God's will. And we see that in the Lord's Prayer where it talks about, you know, we say your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, when we say that, we really need to mean it. And what we are saying, we're saying that if my will, God, and your will don't actually line up, if they're not in alignment, then I'm going to lay down and lay aside my will. And, it's, you know, your will needs to be the one that's going to be done and so if they're in conflict, then it's got to be God's will that's got to prevail yeah. and not mine. Mm. And, you know, that's a requirement that we come in reverent submission. So that means that we've got to deal with our old nature mm. and our flesh because that's the biggest battle often, you know. We have our will, um, part, which is part of our soul, mm. and we have to choose to walk in the spirit instead. So laying aside, and, you know, earlier when you were, we were talking about forgiveness, Lena, you mentioned that it's not an emotion, it's a choice. Mm. And it's the same here. We saw that Jesus didn't feel like getting crucified, yeah, but he chose you know, the Father's will. And yeah. I often beat myself up because I want to feel the feelings as well. Like I'll say, right, God, I'm going to do what you want. And then I'm harsh on myself if I'm not feeling mm. happy about doing it or whatever. But I have to know that just that choice that I'm making to do the right thing is, you know, it's probably never going to have accompanying emotions to certain things. I mean, let's face it, if you're getting crucified, you're never going to feel happy about it, right? So I need to also, you know, so I often will whip myself with that. Well, I want to also feel, mm. you know, that I want to do it, but it's, it's that choice that you're making. Yeah, active will, yeah. Yeah, so we crucify our flesh, and Ephesians 4, to 24 talks about putting off your old self and becoming new in the attitude of your mind. Put on the new self, which is created to be like God in, the, in righteousness, true righteousness and holiness. And so when we say not my will, we're putting off that old self. That's what you're doing. And you're putting off your own desires. And when we say your will be done, then we're putting on the new self. And that's how we get changed, okay? And that's how we become more like Christ. We allow God's word and his will first place in our life. And, you know, have you ever thought about it? Like, I'm so grateful when I think back of that God didn't always answer the prayers of my old self, you know, when I'm praying in the flesh. Can you think of the chaos <laughs> in the world? Can you imagine? And, you know, I know that I've had times when I've prayed and what I think is best mm. and how I think it should work out. And I just couldn't imagine how God mm. would do it. And he's got this amazing way of doing it where let's say there's several people involved where it just meets absolutely mm. every person's need or whatever. I mean, that's not anything I could even fathom with all yeah. my hours of mm. going over in my mind and stuff. So... Yeah, so I'm glad that he doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we think he should. <laughs> and, you know, he's not committed to answer them unless it's the prayer of your new self, which has renounced your will, and then you're actually praying in accordance with his will. Yeah. And you can see why those scriptures say, if you ask, you know, according to his will, mm -hmm. he hears you, and you know if he hears you, 
that you'll have what's been asked. And, and of course, because if you're seeking his will and praying his will, it's what he wants. Yeah. So it's going to be answered. And, you know, I think an important thing we can remind ourselves as well is ask ourselves when am I praying this because I want it or because God wants it? And I think that, you know, mm. if you sort of put that on everything, it really gives you a different perspective. Listen to 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. And so if we're asking because God wants it, then our prayers are going to be answered, as I just said. You know, and obviously we've got to have all the conditions, you know, the reverent submission and, and not holding on to unforgiveness, believing and all of that. But I think that for me, if you are truly submitted to God, all of that is going to be in place anyway. You're going to be dealing with all those issues. You're going to be undergoing the process of sanctification. And, um, you know, Derek Prince points something out that's so true. He says that when you think about renouncing your own will and embracing the will of God, we need to bear three truths in mind. And this is because I was thinking about it, like how often do you say, okay, God, you will be done. But with that, we get a sort of, well, that means there's going to be hardship coming. We almost feel a bit scared to say you will be done because it's letting go of control. And with that, it's going to definitely come hardship or something going wrong. But that's not necessarily the scripture that says God doesn't willingly inflict, mm. you know, suffering on man. So, um but three things we can bear in mind when we're going to just surrender our will and, and say your will be done. One, God loves you more than you love yourself. Two, he understands you better than you understand mm -hmm. yourself. And three, he wants only the best for you. And we really need to keep that in mind when we say your will be done and, and don't think, oh, it's automatically going to mean suffering and hardship. But again, if it that does come with it, it's because God's got a greater purpose and he's got something that he's doing in us. So we have to remember that his intentions towards us are good. He loves us and he is good. And we've got to remember that when we submit to him and his will. Um, and so when we say your will be done, we are handing ourselves over to God as instruments to be used by him because it's going to be for his glory as well. And it's going to be far more than we can imagine. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that has worked within us, what God wants to do is far greater and far better than anything we could imagine for ourselves. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, just to have that concept in your mind, to realize he is such a loving father, that if we could just get to this where we just totally submit, hand over, pray your will be done, it's going to just blow your minds what mm. he does, you know, because yeah. his intention to you and his love, and, and we sort of think, oh, we can't even imagine because we put ourselves down or we think we're not worthy or whatever, and we're not. Because, but we are because of Jesus. He sees us mm. through Jesus. But if we could just know, like, you know, what he has in store for us, if we can just let go. Um, yeah, so if we're just praying our will, then we're probably missing out so much on God, what, what God wants to do. And, and we've got to approach him as Jesus did. God, not as our will, but your will be done. And we've got to remember that the outcome of answered prayer is that God might be glorified. That's the purpose yeah. Yeah. that we want. And he will, if we submit as Jesus did, and he'll do above all we could imagine and ask. And his name is going to be glorified because we and others in our, our family and friends are going to look at the answer to that prayer and say, wow, you know, it's only God and mm. he gets all the glory. Mm. That's reverent submission. First condition. 
All right, let's wrap our podcast up there. We thank you for tuning in. I um, really encourage you to go back and read Matthew 6 verses 5 to 16 for yourself and just get into that scripture and start developing those good habits of prayer. And we will see you next time. If you want to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, www.life-house.net. Goodbye.